Hey, wonderfuls. Welcome to episode 392 of the podcast. Well, we are rapidly approaching 400 episodes. I'm not sure what to do with that information other than being a little bit of shock about it. Uh, welcome into my episode with author Anna Cox. I mentioned this in the description and certainly we talk about it in the episode, but I was so, so, so excited and honored to be able to read one of the characters of the three fabulous female narrators of her book, her new novel, I Keep My Worries in My Teeth. Um, I just loved the experience and I love the book. And so I was so happy to podcast her. So I hope you enjoy it. I also want to take just a moment to give a major, major, major shout out an ongoing shout out lots and lots of love to Max Fun members supporting this podcast. Thank you so, so, so much. If we haven't said it, Max Fun Drive was a wonderful success. It was so emotionally stirring to see how many people came through to support creators, art creators of all kinds um, on the network uh, in the middle of everything else that's going on. It just, um, it really moved me. And so for those of you who are part of the $20 a month for Max Fun membership um, that include the JV Club, of course, I have MASH games coming up with you. Uh, we have had a little bit of drop off, which is very normal after Max Fun Drive. Um, but that's why I was I sort of don't start doing the MASH games until a little bit later after Max Fun Drive, just because it's, you know, um, kind of a cool special benefit. And uh, I sometimes people just like you know do a, a month at twenty dollars to support the network, but then they then they can't do it anymore. And and eh, you know I just want to make sure that the network's getting the support for a little bit longer <laughs> um, before I do like a hundred one hour mash games pe- with people uh, online on on Zoom or whatever we end up doing. So anyway, I just wanted to acknowledge that um, and and send you my love. Thank you again. Thanks for listening. No matter who you are, tour where you are. Nope tour. Not a thing. Uh, Enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you next time. You're in Toronto, which I adore, but I do remember and I was in Toronto in July for two weeks and I was moist all the time yeah well actually I'm in Guelph uh yes. which just sounds the Welshiest name I've ever name. heard outside of Wales oh yeah Guelph uh and it's you know a lot of places here don't have air conditioning because you don't often need it and then suddenly it's in the 90s and yeah, it's moist. And, and where, so where is Guelph in relation to Toronto? Why did I think that they were near each other? They're very near each other. Um, okay. It is, I'm west of Toronto. So I'm about an hour away. Oh, and also you do have, you have earbuds in, yeah? So you don't, you're not hearing, it's not I like I have earbuds, a, yeah. Okay, good. These are all very key questions that I 100% forget to ask when I'm doing Zoom interviews. <laughs> and I'm um, like, I'll try to stay consistent distance from the mic, but I tend to move around. So I'll great. go like plant my feet or something. I look forward to it. I look forward to you getting absurdly loud for reasons only <laughs> you can understand. And then very, very quiet. And then very um, quiet. I, uh, I read that article that Brandon wrote and I thought fuck I sound like such a spaz and then I was like well this is probably gonna go 
much better either. I think that's just <laughs> my public persona must be spaz who swears a lot. I think that any interesting person invariably sees like the evidence after the fact of like a good conversation and probably thinks I'm a freak. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. But I think that's a good thing. I mean, I think that's I I don't know. That's what's interesting to me. I'm not I guess I don't I'm not that interested in like, you know, bland. No. Um, <laughs> Nor would well, you be good. the writer that you are if you were bland. Like yeah. your, your imagination has to be able to do its thing to make the kind of world that you make with, you know, I keep my worries in my teeth for and as an example. Uh, I've been getting so many comments about the audiobook, about how fantastic oh. it is. Yeah. Oh, that's very yeah. good to hear. Mm-hmm. Like people I love it. Oh, good. Well, it's it really the writing really lends itself to that, you know, because it's so intimate there, you're really inside the brains of these three women. And they're so honest and vulnerable that, you know, I think it it, it lends itself really well to the audio format. So yeah, I a, hope that's, that's, that's a gift that you've given to the listener. We <laughs> <laughs> just say words. Okay, so you're in Guelph. Is that like the like when I was in Toronto? It seemed that everyone w went up would like you know, oh, we're going up to the cottage. No, we're not. We're not going to oh, stay no. in Toronto. We're going to go up to the cottage. That's not Guelph. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I call this place a Shire. Uh, I call you know I live in the Shire, so it's um, it's not Shire size. It's bigger, but it's so hippie liberal yes. green party voting um we have a bagless trash system oh yep yep uh like no no bags in the trash we don't allow that here in guelph and the Great. city composts all of our green waste the, i hope all of this is cut out because who gives a shit but um unfortunately yeah. i doubt it will be <laughs> oh shit <laughs> <laughs> These are things we want to hear about. You can't, no one no needs to hear about Anna, Guelph. <laughs> Anna Cox, no one is going anywhere right now. You yeah, don't think well. that people want to hear about like a place that's different from where they are? <laughs> Bagless <again>. trash. <laughs> Guelph me. Guelph me. Yeah, coincidentally, my Tinder bio, bagless trash. <laughs> I have a problem with you being on Tinder. I need to tell you that. Oh, um, my God. I'm not on Tinder. I <laughs> have totally never kidding. been on Tinder, but I make up Tinder bios all the time. Yeah, it's kind of hard not to. It's very much like in the vein of this is that's the name of my band or mm -hmm. that's the or, band that opened up for insert other band name here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or the best part is Tinder bio or Epitaph. Like that's oh, sure. a real fine line. That, yeah, that's a fun game to play. Because bagless oh, trash no. works pretty works for either one, really. Not in Guelph. Not oh wait, not in Guelph. In Guelph. <laughs> no, no, especially in Guelph. Especially, especially in, Guelph. in Guelph. Yeah. Is the now listen? I'm going to make this even worse for you by asking yet further questions about Guelph. Is so was it? I mean, am I right? Is it was it founded by someone Welsh? Oh, uh, I should know that. <laughs> yes, you really, either. You really shouldn't. You don't need to. Either Welsh or Scottish. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm parading myself around like I'm an expert in Wales. Not true. Like, I well, don't. 
If you, you had know said that's it's actually a Norwegian word, I would have been like, oh, understood. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize yeah. to you, to the Norwegians, and to the Welsh. It's uh it's Scandi over here. Yeah. Uh I wow, I have no idea. Now the whole town of Guelph hates me because I oof, I have no idea. Uh they're gonna be fine. They're gonna be yeah. fine. And also you can argue that your brain was super melty because it's so hot. Um, I was not recording on my end when we established that we both have ice packs on our heads for different <laughs> reasons. But I want people to have that fact in their pocket as they listen to this as well. I, I got to say, I, that's I, moved going mine in, I moved mine into my bra. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I highly um, recommend that. What if you're not wearing a bra? Asking well, for a friend. If you're not topless, you can just put it in your shirt. Good point. Well, I guess Good depending point. on the shirt. I have on a dress, so the dress just kind of holds it in place. Got it. And yeah. as we know, my reason is that I hit my head in, on the refrigerator. So for me, putting it in my shirt is not going to do the job that I need it to. Because <laughs> I'm just trying not to get a giant goose egg or a horrible headache. God, I'm an idiot. A, a head what goiter. <laughs> A head goiter. Oy, 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 oy. Uh, you are waiting. It's Is it fair to say you're waiting also to be given permission to move? Or is have that like, are you in a position to, to move to the States um, with the various uh, and sundry laws and restrictions that have been put on between our two countries? Um, at the moment, are you, do you now kind of justify, can you justify needing to leave? And is it just sort of a matter of time or is, are you still like kept? Are you still a kept woman? <laughs> kept woman by the crown of Canada. That's right. Uh, no, I actually found out yesterday, which probably I could have found out a while ago, <laughs> uh, but I somehow couldn't manage that. U.S. citizens are... The language is U.S. citizens who are returning home are exempt from the um, essential services. So uh, oh. so I can leave at any time, apparently. Oh. <laughs> I had, I, had not, I know. <laughs> wow. Well, yep. so, because we all truly thought like you were stuck there. Yeah, so right? did I. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and a few people have said to me, but you're an American citizen. And I said, well, sure. But the place in which I live now is saying, hey, 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 don't cross that border. <laughs> like, yes. And so I just believed, uh, you know, I believed that Canada has my best interest at heart, which it, it does <laughs> by yeah, telling fair. me not to go to the United States. But what yeah, are you talking um, about? It is going great over here. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, so when yes. are you coming? Uh, I don't know. That's in discussions. Okay. Um, right. I'm guessing it's August. In talk. You're in talks. Yeah, I'm in talks. Yeah. Wonderful. High, high level diplomatic. There are diplomatic pouches being exchanged. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah what's in a pouch? Like a uh, pouch. Did you know, apparently, so I could have this completely wrong, um, but I <laughs> I think I've already established I'm not the brightest bulb, but I thought <laughs> that a diplomatic pouch actually meant an envelope-sized thing that could oh, contain Oh, please, documents. I absolutely still think that. Prove me wrong. Apparently, 
diplomatic pouch is more of a metaphor, a suggestion, <laughs> because you can have a giant thing that counts as a diplomatic pouch. Like a, like a shipping like a wardrobe? container. Uh, like a shipping container. Okay. Diplomatic pouch. But it's so, not metaphorical in the sense that it's not like a thing that only exists in your imagination. Like it's not like I like it's not like the version like I have diplomatic immunity, which is a concept, not a pouch. Um, this, is an, <laughs> this is still an actual thing that contains stuff. Right. Yeah. But I so okay. I think uh, and maybe the maybe that I like that we're talking about this and really I mean, you know, my extensive knowledge of Tom Clancy novels is about where I can talk <laughs> about diplomatic pouches. But um Yes, yeah, somebody told me, no, actually, if you are serving abroad, you can ship things home and it can be constituted as a diplomatic pouch regardless of the size. Whereas I thought it was only like everything had to be micro dot level and you sure. had to just shove it into an envelope. Yeah. Okay. This is very good to know. I'm not sure how or when it's going to serve me, but I feel <laughs> when it will at a crucial yeah. moment. Where are you from originally? Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And where is uh, I Keep My Worries on My Teeth set? I'm going to ask a bunch of questions like I don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. It's set in Ohio, in a fictional town in Ohio. So I grew up between Knoxville, Tennessee, and Toledo, Ohio. Okay. Between, like, you went back and forth? Uh, no. So first part of my life was in Knoxville, and then about grade six, moved to Ohio and then stayed in Ohio through the end of college. And yet you have been in Canada long enough to say grade six instead of sixth grade. Yeah, that's I a don't bad, miss much. That's a bad habit. Um, I, I do, do not say much. pasta, nor do oh. I. No, don't do I that. Lo I love my Canadian friends, but for some reason that one really gets under my skin and I don't know why. Like I shouldn't have such a strong opinion about it. <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, I mean, there are worse things to... So I'm sure I mispronounce all kinds of other things, um, but I can I hold firm to pasta. Yeah. And Mazda. Yeah. Good for you. Pasta. Good for you. Mazda. Rasta. Do they say pasta. Or is, is that are the are all of <laughs> are all of those pronunciations ah? Mazda. Yeah. No. Yeah, no. No. And I'm, and I listen, I've met some of my Canadian friendship list uh, they the friendships may end, the listeners may stop listening, but I can't abide pasta. I it, just can't. It's fine. Yeah. Um, okay, so we, you're just one of many, many, many people from Tennessee who has no trace of a Tennessee accent. That's fine. Do Ohioans, hmm, that doesn't seem right. Ohioans? Ohioans. Ohioans. Do Ohioans have Oh, accents? yeah, they do. Okay. Yeah. For some reason, I'm not able to conjure one up in my head right now. It's a real flat... A flat Midwest, kind of flat, harsh vowels, pop. You want some pop? Oh, okay. Pa pasta. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Pa yeah, they might say pasta. <laughs> uh, pa pap is, that's that's really the only one I can kind of bring to mind. Also, I'll say my, I think my accent is tricky because if I spend enough time around my brothers, it will come back out. Uh, you're uh, an Ohio accent versus... No, my Tennessee accent. Your Tennessee? Ooh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Are they here older when than you? you? Yeah. Yeah. They're older okay. than me. And here, when, when I first moved here, because I had been living in Virginia before I moved here, when I would 
and I was teaching at the university here, when I would say y'all, people would just sort of get this blank look on their face. So, <laughs> so I thought I everyone tried. knew y'all no matter what, but okay. Well, maybe the millennials are not as fond of y'all, even though I'll say y'all is like the best gender neutral term. Like yeah. was gender neutral before gender neutral was a thing. You're right. It's like a murder of crows, y'all. <laughs> well, I want you to know that you're going to be able to sling that back into your repertoire. Your your this, that arrow is going to be in your sling. <laughs> Quickly, in my quiver you, yeah and your, that arrow's gonna be in your quiver thank you i can't believe i could remember only half of the that metaphor um and and uh did you have that sort of culture shock going from knoxville to outside of toledo or toledo I did. yeah yeah and I how felt did like that a manifest? hillbilly. I felt yeah. like a hillbilly, says the woman in her late 40s who has an ice pack on her shirt for air conditioning. <laughs> so clearly never really got over that <laughs> hillbilly part. But uh, yeah, it, it was mostly yeah. like a school was kind of, that's sort of where I felt. Well, obviously that was where I would have felt it. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Macho man to the top rope. The flying elbow. The cover. We've got a new champion. We're here with Macho Man Randy Savage after his big win to become the new world champion. What are you going to do now, Match? I'm going to go listen to the newest episode of the Tights and Fights podcast, oh yeah. Tell us more about this podcast. It's the podcast of power, too sweet to be sour, funky like a monkey, woke discussions, man, and jokes about wrestlers' fashion choices, myself excluded. I can't wait to listen. Neither can I. You can find it Saturdays on Maximum Fun. Oh, yeah. Dig it. What was your high school like? So I went to two high schools. Um, the first one was At an all time. girls. Yeah, yeah. I just couldn't get enough. That's um, true for some people. Listen, that's <laughs> true for some of us. No, I oh. uh, I was absolutely kiss- kidding. Okay, uh, so sorry. You went to an all-girls school. I went to an first... all-girls school for three years, like my freshman year, my sophomore year, and then a couple of days of my junior year, and then I transferred to a co-ed school junior and senior year. And what – oh, so even mid-year. Well, it was like the beginning I, – I should preface this by saying my memory is terrible – but it was in the beginning, like seriously, it was in the beginning of my junior year. So maybe like the first week, something like that. Like somehow I remember being able to switch schools and it wasn't this Herculean thing to fit into classes in the new school. Right. And what precipitated that move? I was really unhappy. Yeah. Um, I think... So the all girls school where I went, um, so I went to Catholic schools. Um, I'm, I'm not Catholic, but I went to these Catholic schools and the first one was really traditional. You know, we were taught by nuns. We prayed before every class, like in Spanish, we said the Hail Mary in Spanish. Um, 
we had a religion class every day. Um, it was uniforms, which actually that part was pretty great. Um, very strict. Yeah. And I think it was like, I had a hated high school and I think it was just maybe not a, it was a good fit for me academically, maybe not a great fit for me socially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so were, were your parents Catholic or was it just an education like this? These are the best education. It was an education thing. Okay. Yeah. What, were, was there any religion in your home growing up? Uh, my dad was Catholic, um, but we didn't really like we didn't really practice any kind of right. faith. Um, yeah. In fact, I remember that <laughs> like I, I probably know more about Catholicism now than a lot of Catholics just because I had a lot of training in it. Um, mm. But it's yeah, it's not my not my faith. Were the so so socially were the, was it cliquish? Was it were there was were you being bullied or was it just did you just in what way was it not working? Oh no, bullying. Um, it was, and I had like when I think about my high school experience, I had extraordinary friends, some of whom are still my best friends, and we had a really tight group of nerdy outsiders mm-hmm. <laughs> that, um, yeah, that we all kind of, um, like the things that were valued in the high school were not particular. Like I wasn't popular. I wasn't, um, I, <laughs> like I, I have always been terrible at pretending to be something that I'm not. And it seemed like that was the, that was one thing that I could have been more successful in that first school if I was willing to pretend to be something that I wasn't. Mm. And I think from a pretty early age, I was able to kind of look around at adulthood and people who were interested in pleasing adults and think, this is, this is a sham. Like, how does Mm. everybody not see that this is, it's like one of those old West towns that has the facade. And then if you just walk around the side, everything is just like propped up with like two by fours and tape. And you're yeah. like, this, there's that's, nothing there. Yeah. That's a great comparison. So that's kind of how that school, <laughs> kind of how that school felt to me, even though like I had lovely, lovely people, like I had such good friends, but we were generally kind of the outsiders, um, like most of us were doing sort of creative stuff and, you know, we weren't into going to the, well, maybe because we never got invited to like go to the boys <laughs> schools. So there were like two girls schools and two boys schools and there were all these kind of forced functions and like, I just didn't really care. Yeah. And I think I probably had kind of a shitty attitude and well, I'm sure I did. And so it just was not, um, it was like, I didn't give a crap about school spirit and um, all that all that kind of jazz. And so it just wasn't a great fit. And then the, the second school that I went to was co-ed. It was still a Catholic institution, much looser. It was much bigger. Um, I think the co-ed part was probably good and bad in some ways. Like I actually really liked studying at an all girls institution because nobody told me I couldn't be smart and nobody told me 
that I had mm-hmm. to dumb myself down for boys. Yeah. Like, like I hear the, that a lot from people who went to all girls schools for sure. Yeah. And I think because I was kind of a loser, like the cattiness of the popular girls, I just, um, I didn't really care. Like I wasn't interested in trying to be in that league. So I just, I felt like those rules didn't apply to me. Right. So it was like, I'm not on that track. I don't want to be on that track. Like, that's great if they want to do it, but I'm, that's not me. So, um, right. so it was, it was a great place to go and be smart and not have somebody tell you to stop answering questions or, you know, stop asking questions or stop putting your hand up. Like that was like, we were encouraged to be brainy, but then we also had charm school. So it was real weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Ladies, you should, you know, how to cross your legs, how to hold a purse, how to walk, like all that kind of stuff. (laughs) But what, so how did, how did it come to be that like, were you having conversations with your parents over that summer before you began your junior year and it just never manifested in like the the actual move until school had started properly and and at some point like did I guess I'm just curious about you 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 switching just after junior year had begun yeah when I think about that now as an adult I think it was probably kind of a weird thing I I was pretty unhappy through most of high through all of high school (laughs) um so like I had my home life wasn't great and I was unhappy. And, um, I remember my, so both of my brothers are older and I remember my, the older of the two came home and, um, like I had some eating issues in high school Mm. and he said, (laughs) like we were all sitting in the living room. And I remember my brother said, are there boys and is there a football team? And I said, yeah, but dude, like I could give two shits about the foot. Like, do you know me? Like football, not my jam. Like I'm not going to be a cheerleader. I'm not that kind of thing. And he's like, I don't care. That's what high school is. Just switch schools. And and there was something so fantastic about um, kind of just saying, okay, he's older. I look up to him. He's lived through more than I have. I'm, yeah, I'm just going to do that. Like I knew the, yeah. the other place wasn't working and I didn't really know that this place would work, but yeah. um, it was kind of a night, like somehow I remember my brother <laughs> making that decision. I mean, I doubt that that's actually how it all went down, but um, that's a <laughs> very clear memory that I had that sort of my brother swooped in and and then, and also my my best friend who lived across the street from me, she was going to the other school. So that was a really nice bonus. Like I got sure. to go to school with her. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you brought, that you just m- sort of mentioned the eating stuff uh, just in the context of then the ensuing conversation with your brother, because that seems like it's not necessarily immediately co- connected, but obviously big picture wise, it informed like, you know, some of your unhappiness and stuff. Um, but I, so forgive me if I'm like leaning into this too hard, but just what struck me about that was like this, this sort of idea of the control that many of us, when we, you know, have had eating issues, this, the, the sort of control or the feeling of not being in control, um, and trying to capture some level of control. Uh, I think 
it just it just sort of struck me that like uh, sometimes it's nice to have an outside force just sort of go, no, it, it can be this way. Um, and to feel like you can move forward in that way where it's like it's it really is sort of like a door opens as you're like just walking into a wall over and over again, like by doing behaviors that aren't necessarily healthy for you, but they feel on some, you know, deeper level like they are necessary in some way and then to just have a like a door open next to the wall you've been bumping into and just and you going like oh hang on (laughs) and sometimes that that has to come from someone else opening it do you know what I mean yeah that's a really great way to describe it and I think um I think my brothers have always played that role in in my life like my that they always kind of said hey dummy (laughs) Like, yeah, shit can be easier. And, and, uh, you know, I think sometimes that's the, that can be a privilege of being a guy instead of a, a gal. Um, not, I'm not saying that that is universal and, but it, it, it can be a privilege of masculinity, not necessarily. Um, but certainly in my life, that was like that they were in that role for me. Yeah. Well, I think that's important. Yeah, that's that's a really important distinction, too, because, yeah, you could sort of walk away like a person walking away from what you just said who wanted to like, you know, sort of take something inflammatory away from that could be like, uh, so I guess Anna thinks that uh, she needs men to make her decisions for her, whereas (laughs) you're making the very you're making the very clear point like. No, it's sometimes when you're living in a society in which there's a sense of ease to being a dude um, that we don't allow ourselves. It's like like that's the sort of, you know, that's the kind of privilege with a capital P conversation that many of us are in right now, too, about other things. But that, yeah, that 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 somebody somebody who isn't who isn't either wired or socialized or both to sort of, you know, agonize over things or feel like we don't deserve something or feel like you know everything's hard um to have somebody be like well why not this is like oh oh how refreshing yeah how refreshing that you get to have those thoughts (laughs) yeah and I think uh I think anybody that knows me would laugh hysterically at the idea that I would need um um guy to make decisions for Correct. me because I probably do, I probably <laughs> overcorrect in the opposite way but yeah. I, and and maybe if I had had sisters I would have said the same thing about having older sisters but mm-hmm. um but that's was the great thing about having older brothers um yeah like they 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 had a different relationship to like my immediate family dynamic than I did and so they um they just had a different point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And did you, what did the eating stuff uh, get handled uh, when you moved over to the co-ed school or did that continue or? Um, yeah, it got better. Um, I mean, I think like those things, they can like linger for a bit, you know, like you oh, go sure. away to, you go away to college and they kind of yeah. pop up for a while. Um, but I think for me, it was a real response to what was going on in my house and then Mm. being I learned other ways like I learned other I just learned ways to make my life easier not harder like I had better tools you know yeah um 
but and certain things i mean just changing schools and you know i don't <laughs> in some ways i don't recommend it because it's like it breaks that continuity but it was also i think maybe the break that i needed and um yeah and i got to like i made new friends and that was good were there you talked earlier about being in a, a group of outcasts and nerds who were doing creative stuff does that apply more to um the co-ed school or was that a group of people that you kind of left behind when you left school uh when no. you left the catholic girl school no i kept um those folks were still my friends um and then i just got new i the group got bigger um, yeah. when i went to the other school so and because toledo is not that big of a town um and most of my friends kind of we all lived in a similar neighborhood so even if we were going to different schools during the day like on the weekends or at night we would get together and it didn't really matter what high school we went to um because we had we had other bonds sure what yeah. kind of creative stuff were you guys doing um i <laughs> so my best friend was sewing all the time like she made my prom dress she made my oh, nice. homecoming oh yeah she made clothes and she still actually is in the um fashion industry like she's amazing that's so and cool. then um other friends like we would <laughs> we would do these ridiculous we would make videos basically yeah where <laughs> where uh so in the all-girls school we would have tests in gym and one of the things that we learned in gym class were like we had like a gymnastics unit and one of the things we learned were these weird things called partner stunts and so it was <laughs> you would have a partner and then you would basically do these kind of wacky like um like one gal would be on all fours and then the other gal would like stand on her back and balance i mean like which honest, almost sounds like tumbling like that's that is sort of like cheerleadery right i mean it's in terms of the kind of like athletics of that possibly yeah but there but there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't tumbling i mean it was like such a strange i mean we learned <laughs> other stuff too like we learned golf and tennis and like floor hockey or whatever oh my god it's hard to imagine learning golf in school but maybe, maybe it would yeah that was a weird one um but uh so we would, so we learned these partner stunts. And I remember we would make videos, us doing the partner stunts, like a group of us doing the partner stunts. But then there would be like Beastie Boys in the, like that, that very first, mm -hmm. uh, like there would be Beastie Boys in the background. Or we would like make up skits or just <laughs> like ra I, random nonsense stuff. Like I used to um, always brush my teeth. And then I, I had could spit water through a, like a gap in my front teeth. Oh, you were so, one of those kids. <laughs> so, you know, the envy like... of many school, <laughs> many class groups, many friend groups. Yeah. So there'd be like a, a video of me twirling around in a circle, spitting water out of my mouth. I mean, just ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Like, um, like we would not super I guess plot would... heavy. <laughs> this is not a the Jean de Le Carré version of a high school student's video. But I mean, I remember like that was, I had such good memories of doing those things, like making these kind of ridiculous things because it seemed really urgent and valuable at the time and like, like valid. 
Yeah. Do you go, do are those floating around somewhere? Do you guys? <laughs> you know, I do. Those out? I have them on uh, VHS. I just have to <laughs> to figure out. Yeah. And then we. I also had a friend where you would. I mean, now I would call it graphic design, but we would basically like we were making zines and cutting and pasting things and um, just like goofing around. I, yeah. Were there there there's an element of all of that that could kind of go hand in hand with like like you said about zines like being a big fan of something like as an expression of being like your creativity kind of sp- like spawning off of that can't be the word I'm looking for uh, spinning spoking spanning sp- spunning spanging spelunking. off of <laughs> spelunking spelunking right off of yeah. a, a thing that you're a fan of right like being inspired by something that you love uh, and then you know your own creativity kind of get, get springboarded off that um, is that the kind of like would you do a zine that celebrates something else or would it just be like what, what would is what would a, a zine look like I said that no, like I'd never it, heard of a zine before. And then I'm 11 <laughs> years me, old. Tell me about what this would a, zine What would thing? a so-called zine look like? <laughs> no, it was never, um, it, it was never like a fan, like the stuff that we would make was never a, based on being a fan of anything else. It was just kind of putting things together, like cutting things out from vogue but then putting our own type in and getting those like rub off letters so it was kind of uh like stuff that was going Uh, kidnapping letters yeah yeah basically ransom letters okay so basically the whole thing i didn't go to two schools i go to law it's just my cover story and i thought i was doing a better job but i am a really good detective you are i am so good i didn't even realize i was (laughs) Stripping away all of the f- your own false front western town exactly, facade, exactly. madam. Oh, it's all about ransom letters. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> uh, and so, what did you kind of geek out on stuff like on your own? Were you a big reader? Uh, did you love you know movies or TV? Was there was there, was there stuff that you really gravi- gravitated towards that you felt like you know this gets me? Yeah, I I. <laughs> I would set my Casio digital watch. Uh, I would brag. go to bed at whatever time. Serious I'm humble to brag. Go to bed. Yeah. And then I also had actually my favorite watch was a Charlie the Tuna watch that I saved <laughs> tuna can labels for forever and then mailed <laughs> off for it. And that thing, like I wore that all through high school into college. And when it broke in college, I was like, how am I going to get another Charlie the Tuna watch? This yeah. is like the best thing I've ever owned. Um, semi-ironically or just like for no, sure no, no. a huge fan of Charlie Tuna. Okay. Got oh, it. no. I have like, I have no patience for irony. It's got annoying it. to like either like something or don't like something, but don't pretend to not like something that you actually like. Like I've got no patience for that. So no, seriously, I thought it was the most amazing watch. Like Great. so good. Um, so, you know, I think I also had a Mr. Bubble watch <laughs> that I like saved the labels from Mr. Bubble to anyway. Um, it is impressive that you could get something like electronic as it were yeah, by saving labels because the only thing I remember saving labels for was my mom would save Del Monte vegetable can labels but you know when she sent them in what came back was like you know a plush 
peach with like googly eyes. <laughs> you know, it wasn't it wasn't a watch that you know told time and could, you could you know anyway. I mean, it might have been like you know fifty tuna can labels plus thirteen ninety five plus seven ninety five shipping and handling. Right. I mean, it was Makes something sense. where I was like, I had babysitting money or yeah. job money plus tuna can labels. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> like if I die of mercury poisoning, it's right. because I wanted that watch so bad. <laughs> worth it. Worth it. Yeah, totally worth it. Uh, okay, so, so you would set your you would set your Casio watch. I would set my alarm and get up and watch David Letterman. And oh, then I would go great. back to bed. That's great. Like I like uh I invited David Letterman to my high school graduation, oh. to my college graduation, oh to my. my MFA graduation. Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, I was obsessed with understanding that it was okay to be weird and that everything that people were taking seriously just made you look like an ass. And like the, the absurdity in that show, like the, the whole bit of like, Hey, we're going to drop a watermelon off the top of the building. Hey, we're going to drop a, gallon of milk off the top of the building like I couldn't get enough of that (laughs) like it somehow like it was it every single weekday it was the one part of my day that I knew would make sense like it yeah like it always felt like this dude (laughs) and like the nonsense like that was a home yeah I felt like that when Conan O'Brien's show came on because I was never I didn't like David Letterman seemed like something that belonged to my dad. And by the way, we're not that different in age, if not exactly the same. So this is not like a cut. Um, But just there were some things that I think especially because my dad like shared things with me that he loved that um, like not to say that, you know, he was the, the, the gatekeeper in any way, but um, because that was something that he watched, but I wasn't a part of that, even though we would watch, you know, it's Gary Shandling show and cheers and right. wonder years and all that stuff together. I feel like I sort of felt like that belonged to someone else. And so for me, that was like Conan, when Conan first came on, it coincided with me at an age too, where I really felt like, oh, he belongs to me. And he's, oh, and, you know, and yeah. he's, he's really, he's, 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 uh, he's young and he's, you know, um, all that kind of thing but like the same sort of sense of like feeling understood particularly comedically and and in that kind of absurdist way that felt you know really important yeah and it like for me it helped me like if I would do that at night and then I would get up and go to school the next day and I remember when I was still going to the (laughs) to the all-girls school one day in religion class, we learned the sacrament of baptism. And so we were supposed to bring in a baby doll to practice baptizing. Oh my Lord. Oh yeah. And we were broken into groups of three. So I was with my two girlfriends and we brought in a He-Man doll because (laughs) like, we're like, this is the most insane thing. And the way it was introduced to us was, well, if you come upon a car accident, girls, it is your responsibility that you yeah. could baptize these people so that they that so that you can make sure that these souls go to heaven. Whoa. And even my like sophomore That's year. That's dark. Yeah, well also even in my even in my sophomore year I thought okay, if I'm coming upon a 
car accident. There are far more serious things that need to be attended to than me. I would go ahead and fast forward straight to their inevitable death. Yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to call 911 or maybe somebody should teach me, I don't know, CPR or something, not this like sacrament. So we got like, we got in huge trouble. Like we got, you know, in trouble, obviously, for bringing the He-Man doll because we were being irreverent. And I just remember thinking, is is this what adult life is? Like all these people just decide to believe the same thing and Mm. that you can't stand outside of that and go, but seriously, you're teaching a bunch of 15-year-olds to do this? I mean, they also told us that our (laughs) our virginity was like a glass bobble that we must carry and preserve for our husband. So of course, like after that lecture, we literally like my girlfriends and I went out in the hall and like opened our hands and went like, oh shit, I just dropped my virginity on the floor. (laughs) Like I just broke my virginity everywhere. Right, right. The nonsense shattered, shattered, shattered. yeah. I mean, so somehow David Letterman made, made all of that make sense. Absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. And I also want to add that I feel fairly sure he may have been able to spit water through the gap in his teeth. (laughs) So there's also that. And if nothing else, get those pencils to stick in the ceiling. Like that's not that easy to do. That's absolutely true. He deserves all the credit in the world for that, for that particular skill. Agreed. Um, And, and were you doing your own writing? Were you, were you writing then? Um, not like what I would, I mean, for school, sure. And in a journal, yes. Um, I think I had, so in, I was really fortunate to have amazing English teachers all through high school. And I think partly that's what I wanted to go to college for, but I was too scared. Mm. Uh, And I remember my dad, um, had a friend who was a, like a technical writer, like a business writer. And she came to, she, which was, was very sweet. She came to dinner and my dad was like, well, maybe you could be like a technical writer. And I remember thinking, um, yeah, maybe I'll just do something else. Cause <laughs> that seems terrible. <laughs> so, like, whatever, whatever your dad wasn't getting about what you liked about writing was, was sort of emphasized by like, here's a way to make a living doing what you love. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's also like, it was, I would, I didn't grow up in a house where creativity was um, like, it was seen more as like a, um, well, that's a nice hobby to have, but what are you actually going to do? Yeah. Like it, which I mean, I'm sure that's, I can understand that from a, maybe a practical perspective, but it wasn't, it wasn't seen as like a, Hey, you know what? It's actually like, I don't really have a choice. Like this is kind of what I need to do. And when I don't do this, things go real off the rails, Mm. (laughs) but but I couldn't articulate that at that age. So, yeah. Uh, well that, that totally makes sense. Um, I think the, the feeling, yeah, the feeling of the feel, I mean, anybody who listens to my podcast regularly knows, like I, I very much relate to the idea of, whatever thing feels like it might be what you want to do then becomes like a thing that you maybe you avoid because it's scary to mm-hmm. acknowledge that that's what you want or or need for yourself um and again i mean this is not true for this is like 100 percent not true for every 
you know, person of this gender versus every person of the other gender. But again, there's a situation wherein I wonder if your brothers might have perhaps been more like, but if you like writing, just do writing. <laughs> like, let me make let me make it simple for you. How about this? <laughs> yeah, probably. You know? Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't want to do this other thing and then I wanted it so badly that I went and studied something totally different. Well, why would you <laughs> That doesn't make sense. How yeah, circuitous. Why are you such a dumbass? <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I want to come back around to after I ask you this question, and I, I think they do connect to each other in some kind of cursory way, but uh, I, I'm not getting a strong sense of you having like a super sexy dating life in high school, <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. I actually did. I had boyfriends. Yep. Okay. Um, I I apologize then. I had amazing boyfriends. I had like... uh, Well, then I'm a dick. How about that? No, no, no. No. I mean, I think it's a a pretty fair (laughs) assumption to have. Um, But uh, yeah, like I, I mean, I went to prom, but it was, um, it was, you know, I went to both proms, but it wasn't like a... um, uh, Like I somehow felt I was at prom, but separate from prom. But I mean, I had a great time. Like I went in a big group of people. And if some of us didn't have boyfriends, you would go with a friend or I had um, friends that had come out in high school. And so they would go with uh, a gal instead of a guy. And um, we would go in groups. Um, But yeah, I did. I did actually have, (laughs) I did have boyfriends. (laughs) You know what? Bravo to you, because I guess you didn't introduce that as being like a huge part of your experience as a high school student, maybe because it wasn't your world wasn't revolving around it. So there, I've turned to a, yeah, I, no, I've, it, I found we, a way to make myself sound better. And you. <laughs> good work, I mean, me. Yeah, good work, you. I mean, I would definitely say like my my core group was all women, but then some of us would have boyfriends and some of us wouldn't. But it was never that kind of thing of oh, I'm going to go disappear because I've got this guy. It was just like, if the guy wanted to hang out, it was sort of like, well, are you also willing to hang out with, you know, my five girlfriends and go do what we want to do? And right. usually they say yes. And so <laughs> that's what we would do. Yeah. That's yeah. It. That's great. Um, as far as the, I'm just going to bring this up before we get into this little mash game at the end. Um, but as far as, well, I don't. I, I just wanted to point this out because I, if it's not clear to everyone listening, I love the book. I love your book that you wrote, and it's wonderful. And I'm so uh, honored to have been able to, you know, even be a small part of it in post, as we say in the business. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it's you know it it is from the point of view of three very different women who all live in the same place who do have you know connections to each other, some more specific and direct than others, but. Um, but it's a very, very female-heavy series of narratives. Um, mm-hmm. The men that figure in it are not. It's not. It's certainly by no means like a an anti-male book at all. Two of the most important characters outside of the the three women uh, are, you know. Uh, a husband who is no longer alive and uh i guess i feel like that's not a spoiler because it has already happened before the book begins and you find out pretty quick but um 
and and then you know like a, a like a really great teenage guy that you know that uh that another character is really loves and seems to have like a really great relationship with and then you know our third character Esther is a bit of a hot mess but um <laughs> but 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 it is really it's I think it's it's such a a, a wonderful job that you've done of like showing how key those relationships are still through the the voice of these various female protagonists um it's just it's just really lovely it's it's really lovely you know for as much as the book has these kind of like you know magical realism i guess is like the the sort of way of putting it that that's the most um de rigueur these days but uh for as much as there are things that are absurd you know those those kinds of relationships and the and those kinds of really vulnerable feelings and the way they get expressed feel very journaly right i mean they feel very like this is coming from inside my brain and and if you had couched it in the which i don't think you did for please forgive me if i'm totally like missing a huge part of it but it's it, it's not as if each person is writing down everything that they're saying like i'm writing these words so that one day when i'm gone you know what i mean like i've just gone through a wilkie collins phase and everything wilkie collins is like these (laughs) manuscripts were compiled together by a person (laughs) who felt that it was important for history to you know everything everything has to be like well it could never just be someone's thoughts it it has to be like so there has to be a reason that these words are in paper that's very literal um but that's that's not that's not the case in your book, right? I mean, it's it's more just you're sort of with, you're inside these women's brains. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for, for saying such kind things. And also, I think I'm very lucky that I got you, like that you were able to and interested and wanted to read because um, I feel so fortunate that you are one of those characters. And really you kind of got the best, like you got such a, um, like such a juicy character. Like I think not everyone can relate to Esther. And I think how people relate to Ruth really depends on how much grief you have or have not experienced in your life. Mm, Interesting. Um, Good point. And so some people like Ruth really resonates for some people and not as much for other people. And sometimes I think, well, yeah, Ruth is the character that doesn't make sense until she has to make sense to you. And yes, it's like, yes. like it's not, it's a, it's a character that makes sense to me, but I think I can imagine that if people read the book and enjoy it and it sticks with them, but they haven't experienced kind of cataclysmic grief, Ruth might show up for them later in life. Mm-hmm. But Frankie, I think, is somebody that we can all relate to, right? I'm laughing because I can't believe (laughs) I've managed to shoehorn in reading a teenaged character in your book when my podcast is about teenagerhood. And like, it's clearly this just like a weird, wonky obsession of mine. And I (laughs) somehow was able to like just grab that and manhandle it in the form of your your audiobook as well uh that's very no come on it's kismet very it's amazing it's so good oh oh it's time for a quick break i will be back after a word from our friends at maximum fun 
Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we host When Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent. I don't know how to fix mornings for myself. (laughs) I do not know how to make mornings okay for myself. So the t-shirt, I don't do mornings, isn't even a funny shirt. I shouldn't get it for you. It's sad. It's a sad shirt. Yeah, it's a sad shirt with tears flowing. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Find us on MaximumFun.org, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, okay, I want to get into this mash game with you. Okay. Um, I will start with, this is uh, not going to surprise you because I'm ripping a category right out of your own um, exposition of your life to me. Three Uh-oh. people that you, we can sort of uh, go back in time and three people that you would like to have at your college graduation. <gasps> well, okay, David Letterman. Great. Thank you very much. You see I invited you and you didn't even respond. And then I invited you again to college and then again to grad school. Um, Phyllis Diller. Great. Dorothy Parker. Okay. Uh, three movies that you can jump into and just be in those worlds. You're not reliving the plot, it's just a place to disappear to when you want. Oh, Amelie. Oh, yes. Uh, Big Lebowski. Great. And Twister. <laughs> not <laughs> not because it's a good movie, but because I secretly want to be a storm chaser. I totally get it. And I I that is a that is a movie that um very much one of those like if you're in a hotel room and you turn it on. Oh hell yeah. You, you sort you you sort of know yeah. like, well, this is the rest of my night. <laughs> <laughs> As if you don't even have a choice. Uh, so I very much relate. Okay, uh, next category, three foods that in this reality are not great uh, in excess for whatever reason. It's bad for, you feel like it's kind of ecologically or morally bad, or it's very fattening, or uh, it, the sugar high will then give you the vomits um, in this alternate universe. Or it's, or it's just something that's so rare that you, you, know, you haven't been able to get it as much as you'd like. Um, Three things, we're going to take all of that away and everything is is equally just fine for you and you can have it at as much as you want in perpetuity with zero ramifications. Oh, the dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krispy Kreme donuts when the hot donuts now sign is on. Fudge Great. glazed. Fudge glazed hot donuts now, Krispy Kreme donuts. Great. Um, steak frites. Mm-hmm. Shrimp and grits. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Uh, next category, let's do three. <laughs> this is so stupid. Oh, no. This is very stupid. Three movies or books. Again, we're taking you back in time to your high school years that y- that we are going to magically have had you and your girlfriends reenact on VHS. In whatever <gasps> like rudimentary way that would mean at the time, books or movies. Mm-hmm. Square pegs, the TV show that totally works for me. Great. Girls just want to have fun with Sarah Jessica Parker. 
great. That's a lot of SJP already. Oh, yeah. I'm a big SJP fan. She's great. Um, another book or movie? True Stories. Great. I always want to be that woman that never leaves her bed. Oh, <laughs> You could do that, and you could you could also be the grandparents and uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate, Fla- Chocolate Factory. <laughs> oh my God! So uh, that I sing that song quite a bit. The Cheer Up, Charlie. Except oh. then I, that's all I know, and so then I just make up shit like Papa Joe and I are gonna make you stone soup. Cheer up, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't. That that whole movie. I mean, I have many things to say about it all, but uh, that. <laughs> particular song is so it, there's just so much that's very weird in a great way my opinion but like you know that was certainly like my favorite movie when I was little and and that's just like because it's European because it because it's clearly shot somewhere that's not the United States and you know his they he's everyone sounds so American mm-hmm. um for the most part uh, there, there, there's like a wonderful incongruity to it that's like kind of creepy, even beyond above and beyond the stuff that is genuinely creepy in in the movie. Like, there's something really weird about that that yeah. really manifests in that scene. Like, I definitely remember, yeah. you know, wa- like watching that with such fascination. Like, what is she doing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what like, is I... this giant thing that she has an oar <laughs> and she's, is that how clothes are wa- Like, what am I, I'm missing some something key here. Does that make sense? Yes, because, I mean, I remember, ha- like, I wouldn't have articulated it or didn't know how to articulate it. But in my little brain, I was like, shit just really took a turn. And <laughs> yes. And like, when, when Grandpa Joe gets out of bed, it would make me so anxious watching oh yeah like, oh my big whole, time. i was like oh this is a big terrible time. mistake like yeah what is he, like <laughs> it made me so nervous his tiny atrophied legs are just gonna like, snap yeah 100 yeah. like, this is a disaster waiting to happen 100%. what's going on 100 percent uh, okay okay uh the, <laughs> wonderful thank you for uh not only indulging me with that conversation about Willy Wonka but really adding to it um okay next category all due respect to your wonderful significant other this is MASH we want to get into some alternate universe sexy times uh, or romance times any person any era any age living uh person who's fictional in a book or movie or tv show three Okay, uh, Idris Elba. Idris Eldris. How the hell do you say his name? I mean, I don't, I don't have know to, how they say it in Canada, like, but here hey, it's baby. Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like that hottie. At, that's we, in Canada. We say Adris Ilbar. <laughs> Adris Ilbar. <laughs> that I want me some Adris Ilbar. Great. Um. Daniel Craig and Rachel Weisz as a unit. Ooh, very nicely played. Yeah, I want them both. And yep. then um, there's a <laughs> there's a a guy named Merriman who's like a like a wizard sort of in this series of books that I read when I was a kid, okay. and I reread them at the start of the pandemic. I want some him. Where, like what a, what's the series? So the um, it's called Oversea Under Stone, 
the dark is rising, uh, silver on the tree, the gray king. And then there's the last one that I forgot. So okay. it's like a, um, it's this woman, Susan Cooper. It's like way pre Harry Potter. Um, yeah. There's a regular boy named Will, but he finds out he has these powers. And so Merriman is kind of this old one, not, not old, but like they call them old ones. I don't want to like have sex with grandpa Joe. Um, and he's like magic, but then also not magic. Oh, they're amazing books. Oh my gosh. Listen, some people might be looking for a little something new that they find similar to HP, uh, depending on how they feel about everything that's been going on with old JK. So this could be a, this could be a surprise twist, a uh, free gift with, with purchase. The purchase yeah. being <laughs> listening to the episode, the free gift being finding out that there are some wizardy type books that you can get into that are YA. And yeah. furthermore, if you send in several tuna can labels. Oh yeah. Yeah. Merriman will come to your house. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Okay. Uh, next category, let's do magical door a la what we were just talking about. Magical door in your existing home that can lead you anywhere in the world. <gasps> oh. Japan? Great. Japan? Japan. Uh -oh. Can I say Japan? Okay. Um, I guess so. Listen, if, 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 if you're committed to it, I'll do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I want to go. Okay, great. Okay, uh, next category, three skills, real world type skills that you would like to wake up with tomorrow being an expert at. Oh. Terrible sentence structure. I apologize to my father, the former English teacher. <laughs> language. I'd like to be able to learn language, uh, specifically English. <laughs> oh. <laughs> good luck. Uh, yeah, good luck with that. Uh, piano. And drawing. I want to learn how to draw. Me twosies. Okay. And then uh, last one, let us do, let's do three, well, I'm in the, I'm in the music mood. Let's do three singer songwriters or composers or bands um, that you would like to have, uh, they basically create a soundtrack for your life. <gasps> Whoa. Bert Bacharach. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just that that wouldn't have been what I thought you would say for no other reason than I don't know. It, I here's why. Because you were you, you gasped and then you were like, "Whoa." Almost like this is going to be tough. And then very quickly, you were like, Bird Backrack. <laughs> Bird Backrack. Uh, like, I mean, come on. Bird Back. Like, that's great. Love that. Um, a big brass band. Great. So, like, a, like, insert university marching band, like any kind of New Orleans brass band, like brass band. Great. I love it. Talking heads. Great, great. Okay. Uh, I definitely spelled heads H-E-D-S, so that's a bit of a problem. <laughs> Talking heads. Um, ay, ay, ay. Uh, okay, uh, give me a number between one and seven. Seven. Uh, and while I do this, uh, would you mind just reiterating for folks uh, the book, where they can get it, um, anything else that you would like people to know? 
Yeah, sure. So I wrote a book called I Keep My Worries in My Teeth. You can get it wherever books are sold. Uh, I encourage you to get it from an indie bookstore and specifically a Black-owned indie bookstore. That would be great. Um, it's a story of three women who have to put their lives back together after a tragedy. But it's a funny tragedy, not a tragic tragedy. Agreed. Yeah. I've come up, I came up with like a bogus, uh, I like to make up useless portmanteaus. Uh-huh. I came up with one to describe the novel as a griefity because it's not really a tragic comedy because the tragic comedy focuses on the tragedy. Oh, I like, I like that. It's a griefity. Yeah. So there's a scene in my book. This is not really a spoiler, but this, if you are not of a certain age, you might not know what the product Nair is for because now people have real high-tech ways to get rid of uh-huh. the hair on their face. <laughs> but back when I was growing up, we had this like, you know, apple scented napalm shit that you would buy at the grocery store called Nair. And so I had, a, I had some portmanteau relating to like a Nair mishap, but now I can't, I can't remember what it was, but it was something. <laughs> I love that you know everything about the context of the portmanteau, <laughs> but you can't remember what the but actual portmanteau is. I can't remember it, is. I know. <laughs> That's well, very that's, that's very pleasing to me. <laughs> I need uh, to learn English. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess what? That's a perfect segue because right. you have the skill of learning languages with zero problem. The Yay! greatest of ease. <laughs> you are a linguist. I feel that will also come in handy because you are magically now fluent in Japanese. And <gasps> I think we all know that you oh. end up... Being able to go to Japan with your uh, very magical special door. And we're going to go ahead and give you an apartment in Japan because you did get the apartment (gasps) portion. of. Oh, fancy. Oh, that's great. Uh, You also have unlimited access, whether you be here, uh, Canada or Japan, uh, unlimited access to freshly baked, hot, fudge glazed Krispy Kreme donuts. Oh my God, my life in just got perpetuity. so much <laughs> In Japan, no less. <laughs> in Japan, in Japan. Uh, they like a sweet. They like a sweet. Uh, you can go into true stories Ooh. whenever you so desire. Um, oh no, I'm sorry. That's not true. You reenacted true stories with your girlfriends. I apologize. I forgot that I had two pop culture uh, movies slash TV shows. You did a, a wonderful, rousing reenactment of true stories with your girlfriends on VHS that I am very anxious to see <laughs> at some point in the future. You can jump in to Twister. Oh, So that can satisfy the storm chaser in you. That's great. Um, I am so sorry to say that at, I, I cannot take you back in time to David Letterman going to your graduation because, in fact, Phyllis Diller was there. Oh, okay. I mean, come on. That's better. But listen, you could still meet David Letterman and Phyllis is out of the picture. So I think this is a good use of yeah. this mash, uh, this mash magic. Um, and that leaves us with two very important pieces of the puzzle one of which is that the one and only Burt Bacharach has created (laughs) the soundtrack of your life sounds like it's gonna be um, very sincere easy breezy I love it it's gonna be great and I also feel like somehow Elvis Costello will end up making an appearance because he 
has corroborated corroborated he's corroborated (laughs) Rebecca's alibi what am i what am i saying uh you get it it's all back to ransom yeah yeah you are you are able to spend all of this uh time in your magical life with none other than the magical merriman (gasps) wow yeah oh my real life just got so much worse (laughs) i know what a dog pile what a dog's breakfast of a real life (laughs) i'm so sorry to bring you so far down at the end of our conversation anna cox but i am so glad we finally got to do this i very much encourage people to buy the book in whatever form uh suits you um it is a wonderful read and uh and i i can't recommend it enough so thank you for doing the podcast and um everybody else i'm gonna talk to you next time the show is recorded by me and edited by julian burrell and as always the jv club theme song is back before we were brittle by the amazing say hi MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.